Welcome to Clever Entrepreneurship Beyond the Boardroom. I'm one of your hosts, Eva Maria Foltz. And I'm your other host, Laura Morris. And together we are on a mission to bring you real expert advice from experts in different industries to help you on your small business journey. And uh, we want to make sure you know there's no bullshit, no mindset fluff, just real help for you made possible from our experts who volunteer their time to come on this podcast. So today our banter is about our marketing expert, Molly Swift, who is going to be on our next episode talking to us about what marketing is, what it does, and should you worry about putting your efforts here, your money here, or should you maybe spend it in a different place? and kind of the psychology behind why. This is kind of the tea episode, right? This is where you hear all the frustrations that business owners may have in the marketing uh, aspect of being a business owner. And just to drive the point home, I think it's important that business owners realize that if it feels like you're doing a million jobs, it's because you are, and it's okay to outsource certain things, um, especially to mark to like experts, like in marketing, where they know what they're doing and we wear many hats. And so we cannot possibly be good at everything. Yeah, we are not experts. We are just two chicks with microphones who have lots of small business questions and need them answered. So we found a way yeah. to do it. Where we're trying to help you get your shit together, basically. Like we all, we've all been there or we're all currently there. And people who are truly successful do want to see you be successful also. They are not the people who gatekeep, you know, quote unquote, gatekeep information. They're the people who, uh, you know, you come to them and you ask a question and they gladly give you what worked for them in their in their experience. And experience is an important part of being a professional, of being a business owner. But we all start somewhere. So if you don't have that experience yet, go out and find somebody who does and maybe make them your mentor or, you know, confidant, somebody you come to and you say, hey. Well, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Just be honest, be vulnerable. And with Molly, she definitely, we don't know. Well, Laura is kind of a marketing, it, marketing is a big part of her job. But for me, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm just winging it sometimes. And that is uh, not good. That's, <laughs> that's a very um, universal feeling though, mm -hmm. is that you're winging it, especially when you haven't received any sort of advice and you're just like, okay, well, I'm going to make, TikToks and yeah. we're just going to hope oh for God, the best. I just sounded like I was dying just now. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, uh, let me try that again. Yes, I agree. You felt that in your I core. Did, I, did. I felt that because uh, posting on your Instagram story seven times a day, the algorithm needs that or you know, posting dancing TikTok videos, but don't post dancing TikTok videos, post authentic content. And it's a great way to market. But what if I'm not serving the market that TikTok is on? What if I'm not serving the market that Instagram users are? I'm serving my community. And my community does use Instagram and they do use TikTok, but are they looking for me on these apps? Are they looking for my services? Or it, these are like ways to uh, think about like what your intention is with marketing. And if your intention is to help people, uh, TikTok probably is a great way to, to go out and do that. Or Instagram live, you can talk to people, but is, is social media the only thing that we should rely on when it comes to, because it's the 21st century, right? It's a great tool. It's a free tool, but it's not really free because think about how much a time. Lot of your time. Yeah. yeah. And if you follow Gary Vee's advice and you're posting a hundred pieces of content a day, oh man, I mean, that's your whole day. I, I joined this like Facebook group and it was this girl. She was like, it's easy. You just set out your content for five days a week 
and you post, you, you write down what you're going to do three times a day and you break it into lifestyle, business, uh, you know, suggestion, uh, expert uh, experience. Like, so she breaks it down and it makes it sound easy, but it was hard for me because I don't, I don't have anything to share. Like I, I will, I'm not saying that I, it's true that I don't have anything to share, but I don't have the like energy or the want to like go out of my way three times a day to share something like that. It's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy to stop what you're doing from your kids or from your partner or your daily life. Like, what if I just want to watch TV? But no, I can't watch TV because I need to go like Instagram photos and leave comments on them or else Instagram will forget I exist. It's just like not a reliable marketing tool for me. Yeah. And I mean, that that advice of what you said about three times a day. Uh, seven times a day, I think it was. Last seven I heard. Seven times a day. I mean, just planning out what you're going to do seven times a day is half of one step because there's the original mental load of coming up with it and like, okay, seven times a day. I put this here. I'll put this here. That's, no, that's just too to your repetitive. story. That's not even like an actual post. That's literally just to your your Instagram story. Stories are the easiest for me. I'm just like, hi. <laughs> no, I see for me, it's not easy because I'm down here working in my office and I'm just like, I look like a goblin. Like I don't want to show my face, but also what I'm working on is private client work and, Mm -hmm. or my website. And it's just not like if I had a marketing person with me, she could spin it or they could spin it and tell me how to make it a marketing tool, what I'm doing. But in my head, I'm thinking I look gross. I haven't showered in three days. I am missing this deadline. I'm stressed out. I have nothing interesting to say and I'm not in the mood. And that, your own work always feels boring because yeah. you do it all the time. And so you're like, I don't know. These people don't want to see this. And also, I don't like, want to see I this. I feel boring. Like, I don't feel like I'm interesting enough to be posted seven times a day, even if I'm not posting just me the entire time. Like, Laura always does really good Instagram stories where it's interactive and like um, aesthetic and everything. And I just. <laughs> I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> and she always has her hot takes and everything, gets people talking. <laughs> Business owner complaining moment. But I think everybody knows marketing is important. And there's not a single business person out there who's going to say it's not. What that is, is where people get confused. Again, like we talked about with TikTok. TikTok is marketing. It can be. But there's lots of other avenues of marketing. And I've even had business owners say that they've tried everything, none of it works. So they're just giving up hope. But you can't give up hope on marketing because marketing is the idea of telling people about your business. It is how you present the information about your business, the plan of presentation, and then advertising is the actual act of enforcing the yeah, marketing. Yeah, so marketing is ongoing all the time. And then advertising might be a you know specific ad or a billboard or the execution of the marketing. Yeah, it could be that the TikTok is the ad. Coming up with the concepts for the TikTok and how you want to implement them and who the audience is that they're going to reach and how it's going to affect them is the marketing. Yeah, it's like a science. It's like there's a strat. There should be a strategy to your marketing. You shouldn't try to um, spray and pray, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Because if you are for everybody, then you are for nobody. That's like one of my favorite expressions. You have to be for somebody. You have to make sure that you know what marketing is. Marketing is I am for somebody. I'm my business is talking to you as whatever you are as my client. What you're describing is typically called target audience. Uh, it can be called target demographic. It can be called oh, there's this one weird one that I hear people say 
Uh, oh, customer profile, customer persona. They all work. It's the same thing. They're just different names. I say ideal client. There we go. Ideal yeah. client, same thing. There's so many more words It's for just it. like fancy talk for the same thing. Pretty much. So what that is, is coming up with who is going to be most likely to love, need, want this product or service. Who is this product or service going to help in the most? Yes, there's going to be plenty of people that come to you who don't 100% fit this demographic, but most of them will. And so by targeting those people, by making your marketing and advertising centered around those people, what they like, what they're naturally drawn to, uh, the type of verbiage that they would normally say, the type of imagery they would normally like, helps you reach them quicker so that the right people are coming to your business and already have the intent of purchasing because it's what they want or need, as opposed to having to convince them to want or need it. And that feeling of having to convince constantly is because they're not your target demographic. They don't really want, need, or see a use for what you yeah, have. Yeah, you should like refrain from selling yourself. You're selling your brand, but you're not selling to somebody. Like if people, people don't like to feel like they're being sold. They don't like to feel like you're constantly trying to get their business. They want to be talked to, catered to. You as a business owner are a problem solver. So your marketing should speak to the problems that you solve. And those problems belong to a certain demographic of people. Mm -hmm. And you could see this in commercials which I think is the best way to see it. Infomercials, especially. You watch, um, oh, I know a good one. The um, the big uh, phone, the jitterbug phones, how the audio gets like a thousand percent volume and the they make sure they have old people on the television screen who have hearing aids in and mm -hmm. they're all like, you know, using canes and everything. They're kind of, they're not trying to sell that to a 20 year old person. Maybe like a vision impaired person or a hearing impaired person, but- their yeah. target audience is not even those people. It's older people who don't know how to use phones and just need something that makes phone calls with easy to see screens. And in that advertisement, which is what a commercial is, they show the problem. They show the problem first, like so that people feel heard and related to. So they show, hey, this is the problem you're having. And then the person who's having that problem goes, yes. And the person having the problem on the screen looks like me. I can relate to them. And then you say, we can fix this problem with this tool. And they go, oh, I'd love to have that problem fixed. I'll get the tool. And then you don't have to sit there and convince someone who doesn't have a problem that they need this or will need it later or should buy it as a gift for somebody because you're already talking to the people who need it and want it. And it makes the actual selling process easier because you've marketed and advertised correctly. What is your brand identity and is it transferred into your marketing? If you're a high-end brand, do you have high-end appearance? Do people understand when they see your website, when they see your advertisements, when they see you out at a business event, do they understand your brand? How important is that as far as even like digital brands, like somebody who doesn't have a storefront? What do you think? The best way to describe branding is how the public perceives you. And the best thing, way to understand that is think about the way that you dress. So you dress a certain way when you go to certain events, but most people have an aesthetic. They have a way that they like to dress, they're comfortable, and it reflects 
who they are as a person. That's what branding does. You pick the certain colors, the style of logo, the fonts, everything about it, any shapes that you use, they should reflect who you are as a company and not just be kind of random and willy nilly. The same way you take time to pick out what your clothes or don't take time to pick out what you wear, based upon who you are as a person, you want the clothing that your company wears, the way it expresses itself to match the company and what they, who they serve and what they're offering. Yes, and if you own, like say you own Walmart, right? You're not going to use people with couture dresses and designer handbags in your commercial and your marketing materials. You're going to use somebody who looks like the everyday person, mom with kids in a t-shirt and jeans with her hair in a ponytail. She's carrying, you know, a plain bag. There's no, it's meant for everybody. People who have money can still go to Walmart. People who are just shopping for the necessities still go to Walmart. They have a target audience and it's a good example of who they focus on, but don't exclude in their advertising either. Rich and poor go to Walmart, but they don't show just the rich people going to Walmart in their marketing because it's not their target audience. Mm -hmm. That's a very good example. Walmart's people Walmart is just for everybody Mm -hmm. and they've gotten so big that lots of people go there but this is going to date me like greatly if anyone remembers the old Paris Hilton TV show back from when she was like what 20 she didn't know how to grocery shop she didn't there's and I saw so few clips of the show but there was like a fever dream yeah, it's kind of does. There's one clip where they've never been to a Walmart and they go to Walmart for the first time. Paris Hilton's not Walmart's demographic. No, she's not. She's never stepped in one, barely knew what it was. It was like, what? Walmart? And then she goes in it and she's kind of culture shocked in a way because it's so outside of her culture. Yeah. So outside of her demographic and, and the kind of culture bubble that she lives in. And that's a great, so Walmart yeah. is a great example because people do. They think it's for everyone. Yeah. Absolutely not. They have a target demographic. Yeah. It's you, yeah. probably. Um, Because yeah. it's, it's very not broad demographic. It's, but it's the not people everyone. who work for the 1% yeah. go there. <laughs> like, well, they probably like eat from Whole Foods or something. But again, Whole Foods is a good example mm-hmm. of a marketing towards certain kind of people. Like when you think of a person who shops at Whole Foods, you already have an idea in your head and when you have the people of walmart.com you know exactly the people <laughs> oh, that shop that there's still up? there's oh, no there's no the people of wholefoods.com like there's it's <laughs> it's a different scene <laughs> But you have different expectations and different accommodations and ambiance kind of expectations when you have those higher dollar stores, just like a luxury business. You can have a service that is offered at a lower price, but the expectations, if you offer it at a higher price, are going to be different. And the person who goes to the lower price one might be your client, but probably not. And then the people who go to you would not go to somebody who offered less. That's why they're paying you more. It's a difference of you're not going to turn somebody who wants to spend $20 into a $2,000 client, but you could develop a rationale behind that. But it's not going to be you specifically. It's going to be your brand, your marketing, your like your presence in your community. Maybe they never thought they would spend $2,000 on your service when they could spend 20 on it somewhere else. But they know that brand awareness has been going around. People talking about it is a form of marketing. You know, that kind of uh, what's it called? Um, word of mouth. Yeah. Word of mouth is, is a marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a, the best one? Is there a best one? I think word of mouth is the best one. But you, you trust 
there's we have a trust level of certain things. We're losing trust in social media. Yeah, to tell for sure. So many influencers of all shapes and sizes and follower counts are getting all these brand deals. Or even like the eligible for commission one. People mm-hmm. didn't understand what that was because TikTok never really announced it. So when you see somebody talking about something and it has an eligible for commission, that doesn't mean that they were sponsored to talk about it. It just means they get like $6 or whatever if you buy the product that they happen to be talking about. And they're trying to defend it that way and saying, oh, it's not sponsored. It's just if you want to buy it, you can support a creator instead of TikTok supporting their own creators. Uh, (laughs) But then you like lose trust still like i think it was supposed to be incentive it was supposed to, like to be a way the for them to like make it more genuine the mm-hmm. eligible co- for commission buttons but if i'm gonna get money off of something and i need money or maybe i just really like money then maybe i might fudge it a little bit and say this is the best product i've ever used it doesn't really make it better than being sponsored except for the amount of money being paid at one time yeah i see it a lot with um makeup influencers because mm-hmm. i watch them just losing their mind over a mascara wand and i'm like you've seen 50 million mascara wands this one's not that different you don't have to have that reaction but they do they hype up the product because either they're being paid to talk about the product or they'll make a commission off selling the product yeah yeah, people have lost trust in that do you think that um it's become like okay so that's been a problem for a long time is the sponsorships and stuff like that i in my opinion i feel like people kind of turned a blind eye to it because in a way having a big brand talk about you know another big brand or a small brand or whatever like those partnerships paid partnerships it's like shopping it's like i'm interested in this product i'm gonna watch this video so they're not forcing me to watch their sponsored video as long as they're being transparent about it but and then you have the whole Michaela Nagura video that mm-hmm. I think brought a lot of attention and awareness to something we just let slide for so Absolutely. long. Absolutely, yeah. Like they we really we show knew. that they're hyping. Sorry, they really show that they're hyping stuff up. Yeah, and we didn't think about it before because up until kind of that point or recently, we trusted influencers like, oh, this is just an everyday person who really likes this product. I'll totally but even buy if it. it said like you know ad or whatever in there, I would still watch the video because maybe it's a great product and it costs a little bit more. But you know, if it's a good product and my favorite makeup person uses it, I don't see a problem with it. But it's the whole like it's a very like thin line between something that's good and something that is good just because an influencer said it's good. But it it kind of worked like a shopping network to me. Mm -hmm. I I would be like, okay, they liked it. I'll try it. And yes, they're getting paid to tell me that they like it, but I still believed them. I still felt like they did like it. And then after the whole Michaela eyelash gate thing came out, I really was like, wait a second, this has been happening. She's not the first one to do this. She's just kind of a newer influencer who people like to pick on. And, you know, basically there in other influencers make fun of her, her voice, the way she says things, if her accent's real or not. Like they were just kind of waiting for that moment because she's not the first person to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But it did bring a lot of attention to the fact that th- she is not the only one who does stuff like that. It's led to a shift in how companies use mm-hmm. um, influencers. Now we have like a UGC on lower levels where it's not people with 20 million followers because people have started to lose trust in what they're mm-hmm. saying is people who have they're 500 to, or yeah, they're trying followers. to push to smaller ones because you're less you suspect them less of just yeah pushing it, it feels more genuine because you feel like there's not an ulterior motive because like oh they only got a thousand followers so of course they're not getting a brand deal but they are getting kickbacks mm-hmm. and that's why like you, what you asked was is word of mouth the best yeah 
word of mouth yeah. is always going to be the best because the person giving you that advice has nothing to gain from it. Mm-hmm. And so ads are great. Uh, Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, if you understand what you're doing and you do it correctly, they're great. Using influencers is great. People make, companies make lots of money off of doing it. But nothing will beat a person telling you, hey, you've got to get this. It was great for me. Yeah. And I think that's and you're kind more of likely the, to buy it. That's the intention behind an influencer. Yeah, that was the original ad. idea. It was like and it replaced word of mouth. It's still it's still the idea. They they know these companies know, yes, word of mouth is the biggest uh way to influence people to do something, like buy something or do something or go somewhere. And so it's kind of uh the logics is still there. It's mm-hmm. just been corrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just using word of mouth in a different way. And so now it's constantly shifting um, these things, the way people advertise and how well they work. Infomercials are going out. It's the older people who are watching infomercials and buying from them. So you'll see that most infomercials target an older yeah. demographic because the younger demographic doesn't believe it, doesn't care, isn't going to watch it, thinks it's all hoopla, mm-hmm. but it used to work really well. And we feel very nostalgic about infomercials you wake up at 3 a.m and it's like selling you wrinkle cream or something (laughs) (laughs) or like um man what's a what's the greatest hits album it's like do they still do the greatest hits i I don't i wonder i wonder but i remember stay up till 2 a.m and watch cable this this is another fever dream just like waking up (laughs) in the middle of the night and like hearing celine dion or like uh, the ASPCA commercials would come on all the yeah, time and they'd show the sad, sad puppies. puppies. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even have money, but I want to. Oh, <laughs> all the sad puppies. Yeah, come that's with a me. great form of marketing is to guilt you into looking at these sad puppies yeah, that yeah. are like basically going to be euthanized. You know, it, and those dogs, I don't know, maybe they were paid actors. Who knows? <laughs> but they made you feel something like mm-hmm. making people feel something is like a super effective form of marketing. And if people feel something when they work with you, then they're more likely to go out and tell people about you too. Mm-hmm. How do you make people feel something besides if you're the ASPCA and you have Sarah McLaughlin on yeah. your commercial? Sarah McLaughlin is a great way to people feel all sorts of feels. But you, the big, you're completely right. It is the emotion. Do you know that over 60% of our purchases, maybe higher, is done impulsively? And that impulse comes from an emotional reaction mm-hmm. and or a physical reaction, which can sometimes overlap of like, I'm hungry, I want the Snickers. But there's also like a craving involved and a desire involved and sweets release dopamine. Yeah. So you have a little bit of dopamine involved, but it is emotional. And Think that's about- why it's important to know like what problem you solve yeah. because then you can identify this problem causes this them this emotional distress and I'm selling them the relief to that emotional distress. You're not just selling a product or yeah. service. You're selling a relief to an emotion or a new emotion for them. And that's what they really value, whether or not they consciously are aware of it. They do value that. So when they see their stress being allevi- alleviated in this infomercial or this self, this insecurity, like back to the wrinkle cream, this insecurity of wrinkles, mm-hmm. and then you're telling them that the insecurity can be lifted, that's what you're selling. And so, yes, Sarah McLaughlin and sad puppies attacks that emotional part mm-hmm. of you that feels empathy for these animals because you love animals and Sarah McLaughlin is recorded at a tempo and at um, a sound level that releases emotion. That's and the song is way about motion. The about song music. is perfect. Like arms of an angel. Yeah, like because they're dying. Because they're because they're <laughs> going to be dead soon. Dead soon. Like. <laughs> Like it, they're going to be puppy angels. Think about 
Think about it's not funny. It's not, <laughs> it's not we're funny. Not laughing at it. We're we're laughing at the where we're realizing the, the that genius. we've been manipulated yeah. Yeah. here by sad puppies. We're like, wait. <laughs> I wonder how much Sarah McLaughlin got paid for that. Because I she's, hope a lot. Yeah. She's known just for that. Yeah. Like, name another Sarah McLaughlin song. My mom probably could, but I cannot. Oh no, I definitely <laughs> cannot. It's the only one I know. Uh, I was also thinking um, when you were saying, you know, you buy a Snickers bar because of convenience and hunger or whatever, um, and Snickers caters to that like you're not you when you uh, are hungry so like grab a snickers or something whatever mm-hmm. their tagline is that's exactly what they're advertising yeah, is. they, they talk know. first about they the know problem. that you don't specifically i mean some people do they're like hey i'm gonna go to the store and get a snickers but you're in the checkout line you just bought all this food that you can't eat yet and they got all these candy bars next to you that you can just check out and open open right up they know that like you're hangry mm-hmm. your kids are screaming next to you at the checkout line there's a snickers bar over there they told me snickers solve all my problems so. <laughs> <laughs> all my hangry problems but like even at like a gift shop at a resort like they don't need to be there for brand awareness if i'm going to disney world and i stay at a disney world resort it's not there for brand awareness it's there because it makes you feel something when you walk in there because you're at disney world and you can buy a t-shirt to wear to the park the next day i could just buy that t-shirt online for way less on the disney website probably but they know I feel that there. I I need to wear that Disney shirt while I ride Space Mountain or something. Like they they cater to the convenience of it and also the emotional aspect. Disney's really big on emotional like connection with their audience. Mm-hmm. They cater to children and adults and nostalgia and even like older people are into Disney because of the way their grandkids like it. It's it's like this Disney's marketing team, obviously, is probably way smarter than I will ever be. But it really is a good case study to look at for, for appealing to people who can't afford you but still go anyway. And people who can afford you and spend, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on one trip. You could literally go to like Japan from here and stay in the nicest resort and, you know, go tour the whole country for less price than you can go to Disney World for like five days. (laughs) But they're still always so busy because of their marketing. Well, these larger companies, people don't realize they have psychologists on their marketing team to specifically help them hone in on the emotions and the mental state of their target demographic. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a marketing person. It's a marketing team with psychologists on the team Mm -hmm. who specialize in human responses and human emotions and their impulses. And and that's how it ends up being so good because they've gone way outside of just post a reel and really got to know yeah, their they target Yeah, they don't need to post reels. Disney, you will, like, Disney doesn't need to do dances on TikTok. <laughs> no. One of the things I really liked that I saw them doing for marketing was posting interviews with their cast members on their TikTok page. They'll have the cast members show them, you know, their favorite magic moment from the day, or they'll post a video of their janitor making a Mickey uh, shape out of mop water or whatever. Like, it's, it's emotional impact stuff like that. Like, wow, Disney really cares about us. And they've also gotten really good at FOMO. So your kid mm-hmm. and your friends have all gone to Disneyland, but like my husband could never, his parents could never afford to take him to Disney World. And even now he understands why his parents didn't take him, but he feels like he missed something growing up that he never got to go. And I just think it's like, it's like 
almost evil, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's such good marketing, it's almost evil. Marketing, and Molly talks about this, marketing can be manipulative. It is mm-hmm. a kind of form mm-hmm. of manipulation because you're taking those person's emotions and you're using that and their problems to sell something. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something will help them. There's ethical ways of doing this, but you can't forget that it is a form of convincing people subtly through identifying their problems, speaking directly to their problems, speaking directly to them, impulse buying. So putting certain things right next to the register that are cheap, easy to grab, usually small single serving items Mm -hmm. that people will just go to their car and eat. Also things people don't realize is um, grocery stores. Grocery stores will, why do they have bakeries and these open areas where you can smell the food? Mm -hmm. It's intentional. It makes you hungry. They have the store arranged in a certain way so that you come across certain foods in a certain order. They have end caps with certain foods on it that are real big impulse buys. They use giant But they phrase it as convenience. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, end cap uh, bag of, uh, I don't know, popsicles uh, that it's summertime. Oh, it's convenient. My kids would love these it's hot outside I'm gonna grab them Mm -hmm. it's not they're not doing it because they I mean they know that it solves a problem but they're not trying to help you they're trying to get you to spend more money like if you think about it from like an outside perspective they don't care about you they care about what you're going to buy Mm -hmm. and in your mind you don't even it's not that deep you're just like I want popsicles I mean yeah you don't really realize it's happening and that's where people say it's manipulations because it's being done on a subconscious level to you but they're consciously knowing what they're doing and you're subconsciously falling for it not realizing. There's totally plenty unethical ways of doing it. There's lots of loopholes that companies get away with where they advertise something as all natural and it's got like one all natural ingredient and that's that's unethical marketing in my opinion. But there's other small stuff that people don't realize. Why do you think the sale numbers are always written in red? Red encourages urgency. It makes you feel like this is going to end soon. So even the color usage, Google did tons of study on what is the best color for a button to get someone to push the button. Red is the mm-hmm. best color for any button that there is out there. It, it forces a sense of urgency that this has to be done quickly. And even just the simple things is the font needs to be bolder to increase people to see it and for them to feel like it's important. Like it stands out a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, stands out more. It's it's not just random selections. Every little tiny thing of where, what the green beans that are at the top, green beans that are right here at eye level and green beans that are at the bottom. They all yeah. have a reason for their placement, the colors, the use the fonts. It's very intentional. None of it is accidental. And when you know those things, it's really easy to spot it everywhere. I see yeah. it everywhere. I think like looking at these big brands uh, like Publix or, you know, uh, Albertsons, Kroger, like these big grocery stores, it's a good way to look and pay attention and notice nothing that they have there is on accident. If you go onto a website like, um, I don't know, Versace's website, nothing they have there is on accident. Any link, any click me button, any picture, any color, any border line that they use, it's all on purpose. There's no accident. So if you look at these brands that match your brand in, you know, a certain scale, like if you're in a a clothing designer, look at a high-end clothing designer's website and see, okay, nothing here is on accident. Tell yourself that. Say it out loud. This is all on purpose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then look and see what they're doing and how you could maybe adapt some of that into your business because it obviously matters. Even if you do not know how it matters, it does matter because they wouldn't waste their time doing it if it did it. Mm-hmm. So branding 
how I see it is branding leads to effective marketing and effective marketing plans leads to effective ads. People want to jump from I have a business to I'm going to put out an ad and then they wonder why didn't it work? Or they they put out a sale in the ad. Like yeah, why I, I just offered a 15% discount or I'm offering my service for uh, $45 instead of $250, but I didn't rationalize the sale. I didn't give you any reason that this is happening at all. And uh, I'm just going to do it so I get more people to come. That doesn't, you're not, it, it doesn't, the message is not clear. If you are offering incentives for no reason, even if it's just because you want to or you have some openings, you need to validate why you're discounting something or why your marketing approach at that time is to discount or offer some sort of special. You have to validate it to your audience and so you don't confuse them. Okay, I like their work, but they're offering it for $45 and now I'm worried. Like, what is, what's mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah, Why? you think there might be something wrong with it. So, I mean, like, think about JCPenney's. Yeah. They do a big blowout sale for every holiday, sometimes made-up mm-hmm. holidays, Memorial Day sale, Fourth of July sale, Christmas sale, Thanksgiving sale, Valentine's going Day Going out sale. of business sale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like people will do multiple going out of business sales. Yeah. It adds a sense of this is only going to last for so long. Mm-hmm. It's here for a specific reason. It's not just we threw this stuff on discount because but nobody liked it. To, to that point, too, these companies that always have sales, they're known for their great prices. They're also known for their we're bankrupt sale. They mm-hmm. always go out of business. The furniture company that's yeah. always going out of business. Yes. That creates a sense of urgency. But they're they, not they, be they legitimately soon. do go out of business because they just mm-hmm. they they are known for being the budget brand, the value brand. Uh, JCPenney's offers nice clothing, but they're not going to offer nice clothing that's out of the touch, out of the reach of their ideal client. Mm-hmm. So they have these Jessica Simpson clothes, which you think, oh, it's a celebrity. It's a nice name, but it's just like everything else. Yeah. The same, the same manufacturing company as you, Walmart clothes. In I my opinion, you. allegedly, don't sue me, Jessica Simpson. <laughs> Jessica, we love you. Yeah, we do love you. But when you're at JCPenney's, you expect a certain experience, right? You can get a pretty prom dress there for a good price. They'll have prom season discounts. But now there is no JCPenney in our mall anymore. They closed. They did? Yeah. What? Yeah, we had to go back to the ball. <laughs> we have Macy's and Dillard's. No. I didn't know they closed. I'm learning new things. Sears went out of business. Yet. And Sears, what are they known for? Oh, it's, I don't know. That was the weirdest thing <laughs> about Sears. Washing machines? You walk <laughs> in there, there's washing there's machines to the left. Yeah. There's Kim Kardashian products to the right. Yeah. And if you go around the corner, you can buy a lawnmower next to the baby clothes. But think about how like long they were here for. Yeah, but they, uh, they're also, they felt like a weird Walmart because they were owned by Walmart, the Waltz, the Walt Brown. Brand. The Marts. The Marts. Mr. and Mrs. Marts. The Marts of the world who own us and we don't even realize it. Like, so it had this weird Walmart feel to it, but it was it, like, it was so hard to wrap your yeah, brain they, around. But obviously it worked for like A however long, long they were open for. And then with the kind of new age world, certain types of, of marketing have kind of stopped working. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we didn't even talk to Molly about is the evolution of marketing. So the same things have worked since the beginning of time. There, That is true. But there are some things like uh, that just don't work anymore because of technology. And I think that's really interesting to think about because Sears was a family brand. They mm-hmm. were, you know, a generational store yeah, around forever. Wash machine yeah, Sears. Toys R Us too. Yeah. Toys, and yeah. I think oh, some of it comes down to convenience 
price. Some mm-hmm. of it comes down to price, but there's still a certain uh, a certain brand loyalty that you have in like taking your kids to Toys R Us on their birthday. That's a big yeah, thing. That was a big part yeah. of why people were upset. They're like, it's all nostalgia yeah. to me. And it was those trips that really I really remember. And I definitely, my grandfather took me every year before Christmas to Toys R Us. It was yeah. a big it's deal. Amazing. His little notebook, yeah. he wrote down everything we wanted in his little notebook. It was a big deal. Yeah. And then just, just one day they're, you know, my children will never experience going to Toys R Us. No, and now it's some weird, some weird like discount store. Yeah. In, in replace, replacement of it is a discount store now in our area. But if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like the the Toys R Us, you're paying more there for the experience, for the name to be sold at Toys R Us, to keep the store open, to pay their bills. But they've replaced it with a discount store and people don't just randomly place their store in places. I mean, hopefully not. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Usually it doesn't work Usually well they, they, they work. think into it. Yeah. yeah. They, they If you think about where you're going to put your storefront, which we will have a realtor on here, a commercial realtor soon that will talk to us more about this as mm-hmm. well. You don't just put your uh, designer shoe store next to a rainbow clothing outlet, you know, like Mm -hmm. discount clothing store. It just doesn't, it's not going to work. So you have to be strategic. And Toys R Us was in this spot that's now a discount store. Yeah. And they were, it's doing great. Yeah. Always people there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just wonder, I wonder if we could ask Molly next time, what, what has died in the marketing world? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And if you, if you guys have any ideas, like what has changed? Like I said, there are things that have worked for millennia. Like there's things about marketing that are still true from uh, Adam and Steve. I'm sorry, Adam and Eve to, <laughs> to, uh, to today. And then there are things, something has changed. What do you think it is? Leave it in the comments below. And don't forget to like and comment and subscribe. Yes, yeah, subscribe to the channel, guys. <laughs> Just hit the button. It yeah. takes half, like a quarter of and a And it second. makes a cool little ding. Our marketing for asking people to subscribe needs a little work. Oh, also... Leave a comment if you have additional marketing questions. Oh, yeah. Because Molly has already said she would love to come back and having specific questions from you because the questions we have are questions people do have that we presented to her, but it's very generalized. Mm -hmm. So very specific questions is what she'd love to come back and answer. So if you have very specific questions, just leave them in the comments and we'll make sure to include as many of them as possible whenever she comes back. So you can get your exact question answered as opposed to a generalized one. I feel like marketing is a a science. So Mm -hmm. you can have an answer to something but it might not apply to you. So just remember that your brand has very specific needs. And if you do want specific advice, you should go talk to a marketing expert. And we're just going to give you like a generalized science or ideology behind marketing and try to answer some questions or get you started on a path to figure out what questions you have about your brand. And then you can move forward from there. Yeah, I really think the stuff Molly said will answer lots of questions, but it will generate new ones mm-hmm. that people hadn't thought yeah. about. And those are the questions where um, us and her are very, very interested in is to seeing what new questions arise for you that you want to get answered. So we'll actually be bringing back probably a few different guests who you guys ask more questions about. So if you didn't get the question answered in the upcoming episode, don't worry, just leave mm-hmm. it in the comments. And we're going to come back to it, guys. Yeah. We're going to help you. That's what we're here to do. Yeah, Molly is definitely said that she already has more things she wants to talk about. Thank you for hanging out with us during our little chatty banter session. Please stay tuned for the next one when Molly comes to solve all the confusion, answer all the problems, and help us with our marketing. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to having you guys hear it. She answered some really important questions, the basics of marketing, and uh, she explains 
explains things in a way that just makes sense. And she's got a very fancy accent, so it sounds way cooler than... It certainly <laughs> does. You gotta, you gotta come back if yep. you want to hear that fancy accent of hers, yep. which is so much better than mine. <laughs> so don't forget to like this video, share it with your friends who own a small business, leave a little comment, tell us what you think. We're actually not posting a video onto YouTube for Molly's interview because we had some technical issues. We're just two regular dudes trying to figure out how to podcast and sometimes things happen, but we want to put out really good quality videos as, as well as good quality audio. So there's no video, but there will be a podcast on every streaming platform, uh, just like normal. And obviously this banter has a video, so just the next episode will not have a video with it but it will have the regular audio yes. podcast so yes. it's still there you still get to and listen the to good it news is we've got it figured out now as you can see we're, rep we're recording this after we recorded our interview with molly so we've got it figured out we are smart and uh we are capable we are capable don't forget your daily affirmation <laughs> <laughs> and yeah we wanted to thank you for watching clever entrepreneurship beyond the boardroom until next time ciao bye and remember, while we aim to provide you with practical and knowledgeable advice, it's important to do your own research and consult with a professional before making any decisions that could impact your business. The information we provide is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal, financial, or any other professional advice. And with that, we want to thank you for tuning in to Clever Entrepreneurship Beyond the Boardroom. Until next time, keep building and growing your business. Mm -hmm.